Welcome to Small Business Big Network, the podcast for small business owners who want big results from their networking. I'm Liz Drury, a freelance voiceover artist who knows that if you're not working, then networking could help. Robbie Samuels is a virtual event designer and networking expert. He's very keen that we should experience no more bad Zoom, and at in-person networking events, he encourages us to be more like croissants than bagels. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast, Robbie. Thanks for having me. Now, you describe yourself as being a multi-passionate entrepreneur, so tell me about some of your multiple passions. Well, prior to the pandemic, I spent over a decade teaching people how to network at conferences and events. Mm. Half that time I was employed, uh, organizing fundraising events, and doing major gift work. And then I went full time in 2015 to entrepreneurship and subsequently launched my own podcast. Um, my first book came out, which is about networking at conferences, a group coaching program, writing for a Harvard Business Review, a TEDx talk. I was poised to be an overnight success 10 years in the making. <laughs> March 2020 basically put a stop to all that. No mm. one needed any of the skills or experience that I had become known for in the previous decade plus. And so I had this talk that I'd done for over 10 years. And I my talk was really about how events are about content and connection. Mm. The reason people get on planes, and we're now sort of back to doing that a little bit more, yeah is to not just learn something, but to meet people and reconnect with people. So I was trying to figure out in this new world, how would I show up and add value? Mm. So March 12th, 2020, I wrote a blog post, Nine Ways to Network in a Pandemic. And I shared it and it went pretty wide. Yeah. <laughs> and one of those ways was to host a virtual happy hour, which is how I came to host my first virtual happy hour, March 13th, 2020. And while I never charged for it, I, I hosted it weekly for two and a half years. It's now a monthly event. That became the No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour. It led to me launching several new revenue streams. And by the end of 2020, I had a thriving six-figure business. And it was this big shift. And part of it happened because I'm also a business growth strategy coach. Mm. When the pandemic first started, before we even called it a pandemic, mm -hmm. I was coaching about a dozen entrepreneurs a week on behalf of a company. And then in April, they asked if I would take on a second role, helping 120 students through an online course about how to launch an online course, Yeah, which is very meta. <laughs> and so I had this suddenly like way more than full-time work with them. And then my business started taking off. So 2020 went by in a blur. I, I worked every day from April to December, except for Father's Day and Thanksgiving. <laughs> wow. Um, but at the end, like by 2021, I had this amazing six multi-six-figure business. Uh, I had created, you know, a certification program in 2020. Organizations were hiring me to bring their events online with less stress and greater participant engagement. And my reinvention had become, uh, I've become a virtual event design consultant and an executive Zoom producer. And so... I do a lot of different things, but like my major focus is virtual event design and production strategy. Uh, I also have a long history in doing, helping people design more engaging in-person events. And now that those are coming back, mm -hmm. some of my clients are doing both in-person and virtual. So I, yeah. I support both. And then the, the, you know, the coaching is just always sort of been there because I love giving back and I love seeing people succeed. 
So tell me about that very first happy hour then. Who came to it? You know, how many people and, and where were they from and how did they find you? Uh, it was people who, who knew me uh, from all walks of, of my life. About 20 people came. Uh, I basically put it out Thursday, 8 p.m. I had the idea, posted it in a private group that I'm active in on Facebook. And I said, if I host something tomorrow at 5 Eastern, you know, would people come? Mm. Got a few yeses. And I said, well, then I'll do it. And then around 2 in the afternoon Eastern, I'm like, oh, I should probably tell more people. <laughs> so I like blasted it all over you know, social media. And yeah, about 20 people came. And it turned out that I had some skills, some some um, knowledge about how to manage and facilitate online mm. that I had not appreciated, that I had not seen as something I could offer in a service that I had acquired because I had been using Zoom for a while, yeah, not just for interviews, but also to manage group coaching and masterminds. And I'd been trained to run masterminds virtually. So I had all this experience doing this. And so, you know, we basically went around the room, but I knew how to keep track of who had gone last and who was up next. Mm -hmm. No one was surprised. The second week we used breakout rooms for the first time. I had never looked under the hood. I had never looked at the, <laughs> the settings. But I quickly became known as a go-to person for Zoom. So people were knocking on my door asking to pick my brain. Yeah. And I turned those calls into research calls. So my second book came out in October of 2021. And it's called Smallest Big Results. And it's all about how to build an audience before you try to sell something. And it was really an answer to the question I kept getting. Robbie, how did you build this business in the middle of a pandemic? Mm. And it was because I only built things as I heard what people needed. And I tested it out in small pilots. And then the things that worked, that's the stuff I'm still doing. Yeah. And so what's the term virtual event designer even a thing before 2020? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that Zoom producer became this term that everyone mm -hmm. was using. I don't think that was in a term people were using pre-pandemic. Um, yeah, I, I mean, chat moderator is probably the closest thing, yeah. someone who would help you manage the chat. But I don't think we were trying to do very complicated technical yeah. production on Zoom. So, you know, for me the difference between me and like hiring somebody, you know, off Upwork or, mm -hmm. or something is the strategy. So I really work with people on what is the outcome you're trying to achieve. And usually that comes down to you want your participants at the end of your time together to think, feel, or do something differently. Yeah. Well, yeah. with that in mind, what exercises, what breakout room conversations, what poll questions, what kind of panelists, like, how are we going to design this to keep people engaged? Yeah. So then there's the execution. So the other day, I actually ran an event that had over 500 people. And we were talking about race. And at the afternoon, people chose a Zoom account based on how they answered the census around their race and ethnicity. Mm. So I ended up with a room of 300 people who identified as white. Mm -hmm. And I got them into 30 rooms with an assigned facilitator. So that's that's one level of complicated. <laughs> well, before they went into that that first breakout room, they chose one of six topics that they wanted to dive into for the second breakout room. So the second breakout room, they were assigned to one of 30 rooms, not more than 10 people per room, with an assigned facilitator and with the people who also wanted to talk about the same topic. Mm. I actually don't think this would be possible in person. 
No. <laughs> it's so complicated. Yeah. Like, how would we tell people where to go, what part of the room, what rooms to go to, switch? It would take so much time, energy. I don't think we could do it. That's what I'm saying is possible if we really think about reimagining yeah. the events, not replicating what we would do in person, yeah. but like take advantage of what we can do online. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, the other thing that's possible on Zoom, which isn't possible in real life, is to get people together from all different parts of the world without them having to travel anywhere. True. Yeah. My my um, No More Bad Zoom virtual happy hour became branded that in mid-April 2020. And it was right around that same week that I announced the pilot of a four-week training program to help people become more confident and competent using Zoom. And that pilot ended with 15 people, $500 a piece. I ran it for a month and immediately was going to, I was like, this is amazing. I ran it four months in a row. By the third month, it became a certification program. But that No More Bad Zoom is how people started to find me. Now, Mm -hmm. when I chose Friday at 5 o'clock Eastern, (laughs) it was because I had the idea Thursday night at 8 (laughs) (laughs) p.m. I wasn't like, what's the best time of the week? But in the middle of the (laughs) pandemic, no one had plans on Friday And it didn't matter whether it was 2 o'clock Pacific or 11 o'clock in Europe. (laughs) Like, people were showing up. And then people started showing up in Australia. They were coming uh, Saturday morning to to dial in at 7 in the morning. And it was, like, amazing that we really suddenly had this global audience. Now, if I was choosing a time for a global audience today, I would probably (laughs) shift the time a little bit. But that's... I think you're right. Like, it's kind of amazing how we can gather people. And one thing we don't think about for in-person events is that they are there are restrictions in-person mm-hmm. events. Primarily, they're in person. So we have to all get to that location. Yeah. And because people want to not stay for four weeks, we have to cram <laughs> a lot of content into two or three days. Yeah. And that I've been to conferences that have 20 concurrent sessions. I went to one that ended up having 42 concurrent <laughs> sessions. I've gone to conferences that take over downtown so that you, you basically have to decide, do I want to walk one and a half miles away <laughs> 30 minutes to go to the next building? You know, So I think virtual has a lot of opportunities going forward. Yeah. And what do you think about um, hybrid events that you know, seem to be happening now where part of it's in real life and part of it's on the internet? How do you feel those work? I don't think they work. <laughs> I, think, <laughs> I really don't think they work. I think that unless you have an extraordinarily enormous budget, and then maybe, or if it's an incredibly small group, I think those two extremes could possibly work. Mm. Um, but for the average organization or the average person, I think it's too difficult because you have two distinct audiences and mm. one or both will feel like this did not meet their needs. Yeah. So, my recommendation for hybrid would be to have virtual events before and or after yes. a in-person. And not everyone comes to the in-person. Like the in-person is either more selective or intimate or focused, but that you build community before and after. And I think the after is really awesome because I think a lot of us, we aren't staying connected from one year to the next. So if you mm-hmm. want to increase retention – then having some programming throughout the year that's virtual would help people stay connected from the previous year and get them sort of primed. If, it's, if they're newer to the organization, it'll help them feel more 
excited about going to the in-person mm. event because <laughs> they have already met people yeah. and they already feel connected. So I think a year-round or at least a six-month programming timeline Something like that would be really advantageous. Yeah, that sounds good. Now, you hear a lot of people talking now about Zoom fatigue. Do you think that's a thing? And if it is, how can we overcome that and make things better? Well, my goal is to move people from thinking about Zoom fatigue to thinking Zoom intrigue. (laughs) (laughs) That's my goal. (laughs) Because... I think that it's quite possible to create really, I'm not just possible, I've experienced creating truly engaging conversations. I mean, think about how we had all these people discussing race, which is a difficult topic, Mm -hmm. but having in small group discussions without external noise, distractions with people from all over the world, like you said, and, you know, whether it's a social or whether it's educational, I think the goal here is that if you're asking people, or inviting people to come to a live session on Zoom, make attending live worth it. Yeah. I was just discussing this with a friend. He's invited me to come speak to his group, and he told me that it's going to be on Zoom webinar. And I was like, tell me a little bit more why, you know, why is it on Zoom webinar? It's not, the engagement's just going to be a lot lower. And he said, well, there's 90 people. They can watch the replay whenever they want. There's only 8 to 12 that show up at any one point. So I think that they won't feel like they're part of a bigger group if if they see that there's only 8 to 12 people. <laughs> and I thought, but those 8 to 12 people would get an intimate connection. Yeah. And you could offer those 8 to 12 people an opportunity to go to breakout rooms for a few minutes before the content. And you could also message people that this is an opportunity to be truly engaged not multitasking. The word webinar, whether we use it to mean the actual Zoom webinar or more likely people use the word webinar for any online session, mm-hmm. whether it's on Zoom meeting or a webinar platform, it indicates to people, and I'm sure anyone listening would agree, that this is a chance to multitask. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's what they hear. They're like, oh, good. I can just listen in. I mm-hmm. can listen in while walking the dog. I can listen in while washing the dishes. I can listen in while checking my email. Whereas if you explain to people, hey, we're going to get into small groups, there'll be discussion opportunities, please come camera ready, that's different. Now I have to be at a place where I can be on camera, no distractions, no background noise, remain attentive, and actually participate. The actual words for the people attending these events are different. Zoom meeting, they're called participants Mm. because they are participating And for Zoom webinar, they're called attendees because they are attending. Yes, I hadn't noticed that. But yes, you're right. (laughs) If we want people to be cameras on, truly engaged, participating in chat, answering polls, then we need to set our expectations from the point of the invitation and remind them of this expectation. And if we've already set, like my friend already has set this sort of norm of it being cameras off, then he has to make a big effort <laughs> to let people know he's changing that. Mm. Um, now, the the replay can still be recorded so that it only shows the speakers. You don't have to show on the replay video how many people were in attendance if yeah. you don't want to. But I almost think it might be worth showing it to say, hey, if you make the effort to show up live, you're going to be one of less than 20 people getting to ask questions yep. to this person and – You'll get to go into breakout rooms with your peers and, you know, like yeah. <laughs> make make the attention 
um, requests, which is what we're saying, like, we'd like your attention, please make that a worthwhile investment for their perspective. Yeah. And then I think it becomes a selling point. So it doesn't, it's not Zoom fatigue then. Zoom fatigue is 45 minutes of death by PowerPoint followed by <laughs> ineffectual Q&A and no one moderating chat, which is very mm-hmm. 2019. And I just think that people expect more. They don't just want the content because if they can just get the content on a replay, what's the point of going live? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. In fact, I was going to going to say to you, the great thing about having a small group is you are going to get your questions answered and you are going to get that um, attention from the person who's leading the webinar that you that you wouldn't if all the cameras are off and you're just seeing the one person on the screen. I agree with everything you said, except we've got to find a new word, except not use the word webinar, whether it's a, <laughs> yeah. right? If you think about like, is it an info session, a masterclass, a, a, you know, a live online session? I don't know, like, we have to think of other words, a workshop, a presentation, a training. Mm. Um, my wife is really into books and she has joined a lot of book clubs. And some of these online book clubs have authors that come in. Yeah. And she's very excited. She goes to these book clubs and there'll be less than 30 people on the call. And she'll be one of six people with the camera on. Mm. And she will get to ask seven questions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Because no one else is asking. Yeah. And she's like, I don't understand. Like, what an opportunity this is. <laughs> now, as, as we said uh, earlier on in the conversation, you know, in-person networking is is coming back now and conferences yep. are happening again. So I'd like to um, you to tell us about your be a croissant and not a bagel saying. <laughs> yeah. So I had this talk called Art of the Schmooze that I did for about 10 or 11 years. And... One of the most memorable tips from that was croissants versus bagels. People would come up to me years later to talk to me about it. Very <laughs> sticky concept. And I was recently interviewed by NPR on this, which is how it's sort of gone back out into mm. the world. When you go into an in-person networking event and you're trying to figure out where to stand, there are people clustered around the room in these tight little circles, these shoulder-to-shoulder huddles mm. that are impossible to break into. But if one of those people in those circles shifted their body language to make space for others to join, now you would see a croissant. There'd be an opening. Yeah. So mentally, it's about preparing ourselves to go into these events, remembering that networking is a top driver for why we chose to leave our house Mm -hmm. so that we should have our body language match our intentions. So we should be mindful of how we're standing in the room, whether we're standing with one person or a group of five? How do we stand so that we are inviting others to join our conversation? And if we're looking to join one, how do we look for the openings rather than trying to like, you know, bump up against those, those difficult to break into bagels. (laughs) And so it's about, yeah, matching your body language to your intentions. And so, you know, be the croissant. Yeah, uh, it's great because it's a really easy to remember sort of visual representation of how people do present themselves at networking mm-hmm. meetings. <laughs> so are, are you getting back out into the real world and doing real life networking again yourself? A little bit. I'm part of an LGBT business chamber in my area. I've gone to a handful of their events. I also, I've found that with the virtual networking, I'm able to more easily be in spaces with the people I want to be around. Mm. 
So the reason to go to the chamber meeting is to get to know some people locally, to like support the local community, but I'm not likely to find prospects there. Yeah. Like that's not, it's a different thing. Um, if I'm looking for prospects or even peers to collaborate with, um, that is where I think the virtual gives me the ability to like be more selective about the audiences I want to be around. Mm. But I love people. <laughs> I'm an extrovert. <laughs> I love people. I think that, you know, that'll continue to be part of my work. I, going to conferences used to be a big part of what I did. And I still do um, have a couple of annual conferences that I'm committed to. So I, and I think that, you know, you can't really, the, the what's possible in like a short amount of time in person is hard to replicate online. I think the benefit of online is that you can see each other more frequently mm -hmm. in a short amount of time. Yeah. And that actually deepens the relationship too. Yeah. So it's, it's not a one-off online. I think for online, you need to invest more energy. And the beauty is that if we meet someone once at an event, we can now follow up with a coffee chat that's virtual and stay in touch that way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So what kind of mistakes do you see people making in terms of networking, either online or in, um, you know, in person? Well, I think the, the way to avoid some of these mistakes is to take some time before going to an event to really think about why this event, whether it's online or in person, you're still taking time. If it's in person, you're taking time for the event plus the travel mm -hmm. <laughs> and expense of the event. So why, why this event? Who's going to be there? Who might you want to meet? And to get some clarity around that. And then one step further, suggest that you people draft a follow-up email. So draft the message you would send to the ideal person you hope to meet. And over time, you end up with a library of these draft messages. And if you also look at your calendar for a day or two after the event, set aside an hour to do follow-up yeah. after the event, and you, so if, if now this, this note pops up in your calendar saying it's time to do follow-up, mm -hmm. you have the contact information you gathered, either business cards in person or LinkedIn links from chat <laughs> or mm -hmm. the attendance list or something. And then you have your pre-preset drafts and then you personalize those. So it's just, I think the mistake people make is that they collect cards or collect LinkedIn connections without building relationships. Yeah. And there's really no benefit to that. There's not, that's not where it helps you. I think it helps you when you have clear sense of what you're looking for. I like to say that serendipity is more likely to happen if you know what you're looking for. <laughs> And so if you really have that front and center as you walk in a room or get online, I think another thing for online that would be a great tip for folks is to think about how they participate in chat. I think a mistake is when people drop really large blocks of text mm -hmm. <laughs> with their website and their opt-in and their URLs and all that without having actually chatted with anybody first, without having participated. It's a little bit like walking into a room in person and spray and pray which is when you take your business card you just like hand them out to everyone you meet yeah instead i would really focus on adding value in chat so my favorite thing to do is either capture the essence of what's being said and like sort of um capture like the takeaways mm -hmm. just writing takeaways in chat or quotes you know almost like live tweeting in chat yeah 
Uh, another thing to do is, which is something I do all the time, is if a speaker mentions a book, a podcast, a resource, a person, a website, I will go and find the information yeah. and put the information in chat. If you do those kinds of things on a regular basis and then you occasionally also share your resource or your contact information, it's it's seen differently and you are now way more visible. And this can happen even on a webinar with cameras off. If you're the person who's active in chat, people will know you because yes. they can't see anyone else. They can only see who's posting in chat. Yeah. So I think being completely silent on a call, whether it's chat silent or audio silent, I think that's a mistake. So make good use of the time. And that's another reason to not multitask <laughs> and to actually like think, okay, I'm listening to this because blank. And um, the other thing to do for both in person and online is to reach out to the speaker ahead of time. Tell them what you're looking forward to, like establish rapport with that person, mm -hmm. follow up with them after and thank them. Like content creators really appreciate getting appreciated. Yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like particularly if you can say something genuine and specific after, like I heard you say blank and it made me really think differently about this part of my business. So when I'm going to try this thing different, like that is beautiful mm -hmm. and gold for anyone who's out there trying to offer value. So I think missing out on really maximizing the opportunity, um, that's that's what I think mistakes are both in person uh, and online. I guess the in-person equivalent would be to go to a conference and like avoid all networking opportunities. Mm -hmm. To like always be on your phone, hide in your room. <laughs> like <Yep. laughs> you might as well just order the replay videos <laughs> and just <laughs> stay at home. Yeah. Well, those are all excellent tips. So thanks for sharing those. Um, just finally then, Robbie, if people listening want to find out more about you, about hashtag no more bad Zoom or your books or anything else you've spoken about, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? RobbieSamuels.com is the one-stop shop for all things that I do. Uh, my books are listed there. The NPR interview I mentioned is listed there. My TEDx talk, which actually I brought people up on stage to demonstrate croissants versus bagels. <laughs> You'll see that all on the homepage at RobbieSamuels.com. I love connecting with people on LinkedIn. I'm very active on LinkedIn. I post a lot of content. I have a LinkedIn newsletter. I have a LinkedIn business page. Find my personal site. Find my business page. I'm Robbie Samuels. It's easy to find. Um, yeah, connect with me there. Say hello. If you are sending me a connection request, please include a note. <laughs> Tell me where you heard this. Yep. <laughs> and then that'll, that'll be good for me and I can pass it along to you. Perfect. Thank you very much for being my guest today. Thanks, Liz. Thanks for listening to Small Business Big Network. If you found this podcast useful, please do rate, review and subscribe. And don't forget to share it with the rest of your network too.